Hey everyone, you're listening to God's Whole Story, a podcast of Worship Center. We know just how hard it is to read God's Word and understand it, so we decided to read the Bible chronologically this year and talk about it together. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey everyone, welcome to God's Whole Story. My name is Ryan. I'm here today with Chelsea, and today we have Dustin Lead in the house. What's up, guys? Welcome, Dustin. Glad to be here. Uh, Can you just tell us a little bit about what you do at Worship Center, and then we'll dig into the reading today? Absolutely. I am the digital ministry pastor here at WC. Uh, The question that kind of like burns on the heart of our team is, how do we pastor people that we can't see? So big challenge. Um... We've got some church support that we were able to kind of like approach this before COVID. So obviously COVID really accelerated that deal. Um, But how do we use digital tools to reach people with the love of Jesus is really what we're all about. How does discipleship happen online? Um, So yeah, it's, it's a challenge. I've got a really great team support <laughs> chelsea is you on my see team his face so. right now <laughs> yeah if you could see what was going on here <laughs> uh yeah it's glad to have this position a lot of responsibility um stress can come and go but that's kind of like any <laughs> church position it honestly. seems like literally every so. job right now like yeah, if you have true. a job and actually also yeah, if you sure. don't stress <laughs> <laughs> yep all right well let's dig into this got some healing happening and some Sabbath rules. <laughs> so much. So we're reading, about. like, we start out in John 5. I don't know if we, I don't know if we're going to be able to call this out, like what we're reading in every single day. <laughs> I know. It's very, it's very jumpy. <laughs> Today we are in the Gospels. <laughs> we're in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. <laughs> yeah. So I'm assuming like as we go, it's going to be very similar where we're in um, at least some of each of the four Gospels every day. So. Right. Yeah, we we find the story of Jesus healing a lame man. We have a story of uh, Jesus healing a man's hand. We have a story about, um, well, he alludes to uh, David eating bread that he's not supposed to. There's a lot of stuff going on here. Yeah, I um, I wasn't here for that David episode, <laughs> so I wish I, man, wish I, I would have been familiar with it. I wish I could remember <laughs> several months ago. <laughs> actually happen i'm sure i'm sure whatever jesus says right uh david <laughs> basically david's like roaming around with his army and they're starving and so david's just like yeah let's just go in the tabernacle and eat what's in there and it's super scandalous actually like you're not allowed to do that <laughs> yeah. um but it, i think the the sense of the passage is that his men were like literally starving to death mm-hmm. and so god's heart is not for people to starve right and yep. so god's not like hey this bread is so special you actually have to die before you're allowed to eat it it's right. just not how this works. So, and actually, what Jesus teaches is very similar. Yeah, like, I think sure. something that stuck out to me is how much the Pharisees are like harping on the Sabbath. They're like, they're like, okay, the Sabbath is the thing that we're going to get Jesus with. Um, mm. It's like that is their thing now, and so we'll see that probably again and again. Yeah, Sabbath thing gets me for sure. It, because the way that it's written is like Jesus goes for the jugular and like he's not shy about it whatsoever. He's like, I'm coming for your thing. And like, I am just going to put my foot in the ground. Like, how does he do that with compassion? But like the authority of, you know, the son of God just blows my mind every single time. He just purposely goes after the Sabbath and those things that are idols, really. But it's the law. So I'm interested to hear more about how Jesus kind of like walks that line of yeah. respect versus, no, I'm a little bit different. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, well, it kind of says it here 
that he looked at them angrily and was deeply saddened by their hearts. Like yeah. at the same time, he was angry and sad at the same time. And I, I can actually resonate a lot with that. We're just like, I'm mm. so angry and I'm so sad about what's happening. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's- if you think about what the Sabbath is, it's like a, it's a very obvious practice to them because you're not allowed to do anything. So, right. and, and it's like, no one is allowed to do anything. So if you think about like different sacrifices and stuff, that is a little bit more like personal, like when you go to the temple, when you do things. So this is like a corporate religious practice yeah. that encompasses all of life. So it was like the easiest thing for them to spot. Like, oh, that guy, he's definitely doing something. <laughs> Get him. And actually what's interesting yeah, is good. like, if you go to Israel today, like if you're in Jerusalem, literally today, it's still like that. Like everything stops for the mm. Sabbath. There's actually, if you're in a building, there is a, a weekly elevator and a Shabbat elevator. And the Shabbat elevator goes stops at every floor no. automatically. <laughs> no, because you're not allowed to push a button. Oh. So the like, if you Stop. enter, so I'm serious. Well. Yeah, yeah. If you enter a modern hotel in Jerusalem, they will have two sets of elevators, one that works like a normal elevator and one that stops at every floor so that on Shabbat, you don't have to push any buttons. So this is how all-encompassing <laughs> this idea remains actually to today, um, that it's like that you must do this correctly. And it is the law. But Jesus is bringing a perspective that's like, guys, I think you missed the point. I don't think God was instructing special elevators. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, because when you think about the point of the Sabbath, literally just to rest in God yes. and get closer to God, yeah. none of the things that they're saying actually brings them closer to God. Yeah. It's very just rigid rules. <laughs> so the the Sabbath is an instruction. Uh, so it is, it's, it's wildly important. It's on the same list as thou shalt not kill. So you don't ever you don't ever look at thou shalt not kill and say well it's kind of old like I don't think that's for us today. Um, so the Sabbath Sabbath is very serious, um, but it is a practice that's meant for us. Like it's actually supposed to be a good thing for us. It's supposed to enrich our relationship yep. with God. Um, it's supposed to actually like restore us physically, mentally, spiritually. If you think about like a lot of the like anxiety that we deal with, um, anxiety, depression, like all those kinds of things. Actually, a lot of it can come out of the fact that we don't Sabbath. Mm. We're not allowing ourselves to like rest and restore. And it's not just take a nap. It's actually like enrich your relationship with God. That's what we're designed to do. It's really good. Yeah. So it's because we're made that way. That's what our manual says to do. Uh, we probably shouldn't skip that part. Yeah. But what they're doing is making it a weapon of like, I'm going to go out and just catch someone. <laughs> and if I can catch someone, then I'm going to like throw them in prison or something. And so God himself, Jesus, he looks at this and he says, this is not right. This is not what this is for. In Mark, uh, let's see, 2.27, he finishes this. He says, then Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. Exactly. Yeah. There are so many things that we can apply that to. Yes. And like the Christian lifestyle and what religion is versus what relationship with Jesus is. The fact that that's like so twisted and he just calls it out like so succinctly is just, it's one of those like scriptures. Oh, maybe, maybe we should like get this a little bit more yeah. about obedience versus uh, surrender versus following rules versus out of a relationship of love. Like he's just starting to plant all these seeds and just, but the way that he does it, he's like so bold about it. Yeah. He's so bold about. What are you doing? Yeah. Well, you think about like, he, he knows he only has three years to get through these people. Short he's and sweet. Like, he's like, look, you got to understand right now. That's good. That's so true. 
Also, I was, I mean, you talked about how, like, you look at the law of Asha not kill, and it's like, oh, yeah, that's definitely applicable today. But the Pharisees are, like, such a stickler for this law of the Sabbath that they plot to kill Jesus. Yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. Well, you can't, you can't those, choose one over the other. <laughs> those subtle, like, drops in these scriptures, it's like, so they plan to kill him. It's like, oh, wait that a second. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's such oh, a good call out. Uh, Dustin, you had some thoughts about uh, the scriptures pointing to Christ. What what stuck out to you about that in John 5? Just that fine line. I think it's John 5, 39. Yeah, you search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life. But the scriptures point to me. Just the way that he came to actually fulfill the promises, how that was missed just sticks out to me over and over and over. Mm-hmm. Because it's happening in the middle of his ministry time. So it's like, he's not a stranger to doing things or crowds, but yet like they're so focused on the, on the law and what religion brings. And they're just like missing it. Like, no, he's the son. So just that like troll level almost where it's like, how can you be so confident, you know, and point something out like that? Hey, the scriptures point to me. So I guess that it, like, I see that it's like abrupt to Pharisees and the religious leaders, but yet he's like acting like he's got three years, like, that's it. I'm going to go for it. So it sticks out to me on a personal level because it's like inspiring. Mm -hmm. Like, don't ask me to go pray for that person at market tomorrow because I'm going to freak out and I'm a pastor. And Jesus is like, the scriptures point to me. I'm going to heal you right now. Like, come on, people. (laughs) Like, it's just one of those things because he knew right away that Pharisees, you know, uh, remember verse by verse, remember the Torah, you know, remember all these things in the Old Testament, like, but yet, why are you missing me? Yeah. All these scriptures point to me. Genesis 3, you know, 15, that I'm going to crush the serpent. I'm going to crush his head. Like, that's why I'm here. Right. But it's like, why are you missing something? Well, these are the people that should have known. Like, they they know the Old Testament front and back. They should have, they're the ones that should have seen it. And yet, it's all these people that don't have their religious pedigrees and stuff that are actually following Jesus and becoming disciples. So why does it come to that point? That's a question for me. Why does it come to the point where they start to value religion and rules so much that they miss what was promised and they miss what should have been in front of them and was in front of them? Yeah, I I mean, you can answer too, Ryan, but I I just think about that verse that he talks about um, being saddened by the, their hard hearts. I just think mm. that's at the heart of it is their posture towards God was actually not towards God. It was towards themselves. And that's how sin seeps into it so much that even in like the facade of religion, um, you have sin actually running the show. It's good. There's a, there's a verse about them. I think it's when Peter's preaching, actually, actually it might be Stephen, um, where it's about like, you followed in the footsteps of your ancestors and you killed off all the prophets. Hmm. It's just like, yeah. they're just, they're just following the example that has been set over and over and over. So you look at like, like those of you that have been listening the whole way through, those of you that are catching up, like as we've walked through God's whole story, it's actually not a new concept that people miss right. the point completely. Right. Um, it, it's <laughs> anytime, it's, it's anytime that they pursue religion without relationship with God. And one of the things we have to be careful about is yeah. sometimes you read these passages and you're like, and this is why religion is bad. That's, that's <laughs> actually true. the other extreme. Yep. Like religion's not bad. It's actually a really positive thing. It's a good thing to like, for example, it's a really fantastic thing to Sabbath. It's very positive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in a lot of ways we toss it out. Like, oh, Jesus came to, to stop religion. We would be a lot better off with it. Like in our <laughs> yes. hearts. Naturally, yeah. Yes. Sure. But the, the problem is we need it 
with relationship. Yeah. So now you have this group of people that they understand the scriptures front and back, but they actually don't understand it at all because it's all done outside of relationship with God. Yeah. Um, and I, I, we can, we'll probably dig into that later on in the new Testament. But if you're, if you're a people even today, um, that's not filled with the Holy Spirit, you cannot actually understand what Scripture says. You can't do it. Mm-hmm. And so these guys are in a similar situation where they're not pursuing relationship with God. They're actually, pol- a lot of them, pursuing political power. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're pursuing like community influence. They're pursuing affluence and position. And so, of course, they miss the point. Um, and it, again, if you've been listening to God's whole story the whole way through, how many times have you heard us read that God doesn't <laughs> desire sacrifices? He actually desires clean hearts. Yeah. It's so yeah. good. And how many times are the religious leaders throughout the Old Testament, the ones that are oppressing the poor and stealing and all these different things, making money off of temple sacrifices? It's just still happening. Yeah, of course. Well, <laughs> Except for ex- now Jesus is here. <laughs> for example, in this in this reading, they run to the Herodians. Right. Well, what did the Herodians, the Herodians just got finished killing all the two-year-olds. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, not well, just, it was yeah, about 30, 30 years, years ago. ago. 30 years ago. <laughs> um, but, but I mean, I, I feel like that is an event they probably remember. Right. <laughs> like, they're not good dudes. And that's who they rush to, to be like, wait, 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 wait we got to stop this guy. He's, he's not honoring God. What are you talking about? (laughs) I think that's like that scandalous grace that we talk about with Jesus, where in everything that he does, like in a situation, like Chelsea said, he's moved by his own compassion because he's really like the man of sorrow. So like even for the Pharisees, like he gets that. And that's probably a fine line to draw. Like Mm -hmm. he's moved on behalf of them. Yeah, there's correction. But ultimately it's like out of breakthrough of chains breaking. Like he wants them to like get it so badly yeah, and they just miss it in the same way that, you know, later on you'll talk about like the thief on the cross, Mm -hmm. but that's how that grace shows up. And that mercy shows up so quickly because it's like, who do you say I am? Surely you'll be with me in paradise. That same like approach. What did he have? Yeah. He had a pure heart. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So like he's going after because of his care for people. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Nicodemus, we talked about Nicodemus already, correct? So John 3, John 3, 16, probably the most popular Bible verse in the whole world. Yep. It's Jesus talking to a Pharisee. Yeah. Like, Jesus yeah, came. That's good. He loved the world. Like, he's going to give his son. So that's that incredible grace. Like, he he's he wants them to have breakthrough. Yeah. yeah. And Nicodemus does, which is very cool. I know. I love that story of Nicodemus because it's an example of someone that's like the villain in this story. Yeah. Jesus. It's like turning around. Yeah. Yeah, he's friends with these guys. Yeah. Like Nicodemus hangs out with these dudes. It's crazy. Maybe not anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Cut him off. (laughs) Guys, thanks so much for listening to God's Whole Story today. We'll be back tomorrow. Bye. See ya. John 5, starting in verse 1. Afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city near the Sheep Gate was the pool of Bethesda, with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, Would you like to get well? I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. Jesus told him, Stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. But this miracle happened on the Sabbath, so the Jewish leaders objected. They said to the man who was cured, You can't work on the Sabbath. The law doesn't allow you to carry that sleeping mat. But he replied, 
The man who healed me told me, pick up your mat and walk. Who said such a thing as that, they demanded. The man didn't know, for Jesus had disappeared into the crowd. But afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and told him, now you are well, so stop sinning, or something even worse may happen to you. Then the man went and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who healed him. So the Jewish leaders began harassing Jesus for breaking the Sabbath rules. But Jesus replied, my father is always working, and so am I. So the Jewish leaders tried all the harder to find a way to kill him. For he had not only broke the Sabbath, he called God his father, thereby making himself equal with God. So Jesus explained, I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him everything he's doing. In fact, the father will show him how to do even greater works than healing this man. Then you will truly be astonished. For just as the Father gives life to those who those he raises from the dead, so the Son gives life to anyone he wants. In addition, the Father judges no one. Instead, he has given the Son absolute authority to judge, so that everyone will honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Anyone who does not honor the Son is certainly not honoring the Father who sent him. I tell you the truth. Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death to life. And I assure you that the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when the dead will hear my voice, the voice of the Son of God, and those who listen will live. The Father has life in himself, and he has granted the same life-giving power to his Son, and he has even given him authority to judge everyone because he is the Son of Man. Don't be so surprised. Indeed, the time is coming when all the dead in the graves will hear the voice of God's Son, and they will rise again. Those who have done good will rise to experience eternal life, and those who have continued in evil will rise to experience judgment. I can do nothing on my own. I judge as God tells me. Therefore, my judgment is just, because I carry out the will of the one who sent me, not my own will. If I were to testify on my own behalf, my testimony would not be valid. But someone else is also testifying about me, and I assure you that everything he says about me is true. In fact, you sent investigators to listen to John the Baptist, and his testimony about me was true. Of course, I have no need of human witnesses, but I say these things so you might be saved. John was like a burning and shining lamp, and you were excited for a while about his message. But I have a greater witness than John, my teachings and my miracles. The Father gave me these works to accomplish, and they prove that he sent me. And the Father who sent me has testified about me himself. You've never heard his voice or seen him face to face, and you do not have his message in your hearts because you do not believe me, the one who sent to you. You search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life, but the scriptures point to me. You refuse to come to me to receive this life. Your approval means nothing to me because I know you don't have God's love within you. For I have come to you in my Father's name and you have rejected me. Yet if others come in their own name, you gladly welcome them. No wonder you can't believe. For you gladly honor each other, but you don't care about the honor that comes from the one who alone is God. Yet it isn't I who will accuse you before the Father. Moses will accuse you. Yes, Moses, in whom you put your hopes. If you really believed Moses, you would believe me, because he wrote about me. But since you don't believe what he wrote, how will you believe what I say? Mark 2, starting in verse 23. One Sabbath day, as Jesus was walking through some grain fields, his disciples began breaking off heads of grain to eat. But the Pharisees said to Jesus, Look, why are they breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath? 
Jesus said to them, haven't you read in the scriptures what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He went into the house of God during the days when Abathar was the high priest, and he broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priests were allowed to eat. He also gave some to his companions. Then Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people, not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord, even over the Sabbath. Matthew 12, starting in verse 1. At about that time, Jesus was walking through some grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, so they began breaking off some heads of grain and eating them. But some Pharisees saw them do it and protested, Look, your disciples are breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath. Jesus said to them, Haven't you read in the scriptures what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He went into the house of God, and he and his companions broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priests are allowed to eat. And haven't you read in the law of Moses that the priests on duty in the temple may work on the Sabbath? I tell you, there is one here who is even greater than the temple. But you would not have condemned my innocent disciples if you knew the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For the Son of Man is Lord, even over the Sabbath. Luke 6, starting in verse 1. One Sabbath day, as Jesus was walking through some grain fields, his disciples broke off heads of grain, rubbed the husks in their hands, and ate the grain. But some Pharisees said, Why are you breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath? Jesus replied, Haven't you read in Scripture what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He went into the house of God and broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priests can eat. He also gave some to his companions. And Jesus added, The Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. Mark 3, starting in verse 1. Jesus went into the synagogue again and noticed a man with a deformed hand. Since it was the Sabbath, Jesus' enemies watched him closely. If he healed the man's hand, they planned to accuse him of working on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the deformed hand, Come and stand in front of everyone. Then he turned to his critics and asked, Does the law permit good deeds on the Sabbath, or is it a day for doing evil? Is this a day to save life or to destroy it? But they wouldn't answer him. He looked around at them angrily and was deeply saddened by their hard hearts. Then he said to the man, Hold out your hand. So the man held out his hand and it was restored. At once the Pharisees went away and met with the supporters of Herod to plot how to kill Jesus. Matthew 12, starting in verse 9. Then Jesus went over to their synagogue, where he noticed a man with a deformed hand. The Pharisees asked Jesus, Does the law permit a person to work by healing on the Sabbath? They were hoping he would say yes, so they could bring charges against him. And he answered, If you had a sheep that fell into a well on the Sabbath, wouldn't you work to pull it out? Of course you would. And how much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Yes, the law permits a person to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, Hold out your hand. So the man held out his hand, and it was restored, just like the other one. Then the Pharisees called a meeting to plot how to kill Jesus. Luke 6, starting in verse 6. On another Sabbath day, a man with a deformed right hand was in the synagogue while Jesus was teaching. The teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees watched Jesus closely. If he healed the man's hand, they planned to accuse him of working on the Sabbath. But Jesus knew their thoughts. He said to the man with the deformed hand, Come and stand in front of everyone. So the man came forward. Then Jesus said to his critics, I have a question for you. Does the law permit good deeds on the Sabbath, or it is a day for doing evil? Is this a day to save life or destroy it? He looked around at them one by one and then said to the man, Hold out your hand. So the man held out his hand and it was restored. At this, the enemies of Jesus were wild with rage and began to discuss what to do with him. Matthew 12, starting in verse 15. 
But Jesus knew what they were planning, so he left the area, and many people followed him. He healed all the sick among them, but he warned them not to reveal who he was. This fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah concerning him. Look at my servant who I have chosen. He is my beloved who pleases me. I will put my spirit upon him, and he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not fight or shout or raise his voice in public. He will not crush the weakest reed or put out a flickering candle. Finally, he will cause justice to be victorious, and his name will be the hope of all the world. Hey guys, this is Ryan, and I hope you are getting a lot out of God's whole story. Uh, It means a lot to us even as we are reading through God's Word every single day in the order that it happened. Um, If you want to go ahead and follow us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at God's Whole Story Podcast. Uh, We would love it if you would share this thing with your friends or people that you know, or just share what's sticking out to you. Uh, You can either send us a DM, or you could actually email us at podcasts at worshipcenter.org. You can email us if you have any questions, if something stuck out to you, if you'd like us to pray for you. And if you want a Bible, if you don't have one right now, or if you want a copy of the one that we're using to go through God's whole story, we'd be happy to send that to you. So go ahead and reach out to us in any way that you'd like. We'd love to hear from you. Have a great day.